Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hi, everybody. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in. I'm live in the Camping World of St. George Studios here on North Bluff Street. It is Open Line Friday. That means love to hear from you. 435-673-5890. Just a word of advice. If you call earlier in the show, there's a more likely you'll get on the show. It seems like to me we have this rush of phone calls in the last eight or nine minutes of the show. And realistically, that's only time for maybe three calls. So, again, if you call early in the show, uh, you've got a better chance to be on the show. Uh, that being said, we do have a couple of uh, brief guests. Uh, I did a quick uh, taped interview. Not how old am I? A digitally recorded interview with Mike Lee uh, yesterday. I want to play that. Also, Chris Stewart is going to call me here in just a second, and we'll have him on for just a couple of minutes as well, talking about uh, freedom of speech and Twitter and that kind of stuff. Uh, Again, uh, kind of a fun show today. We would love to hear from you. One of the things I want to see if I can get you to do, uh, at least some of you, uh, when uh, Chris Stewart is on, we really don't have time for phone calls with Chris, but I will take your text, and I will... uh, if you'll give a, a text me a question for Chris, I'd love to have you. His main topic of conversation, he wants to talk about Twitter and freedom of speech. But if you have something you want to talk about, text me at 435-467-5842. Uh, let's do this. Uh, let's start with Mike Lee. I talked with Mike Lee yesterday. Short little five-minute interview with him. Here's what Mike had to say. Mike Lee on the air with me right now, the U.S. Senator. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Andy. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes this morning. I know you're a busy man, but uh, let's talk about a couple of things that are kind of heavy on your mind. Uh, First of all, student loan debt. Now, I went to college. I paid my student loan debt back. uh, And uh, so it's easy for me to sit on one side of this this issue that Joe Biden is bringing up about forgiveness of student loan debt. I think you should have to pay it back. It's a loan. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, there are a whole lot of reasons for this. Uh, there are millions of American families who have scrimped and saved to pay for college. And to just say uh, the government's going to pay all of it causes a couple of problems. It's disrespectful to those who have already gone down that road and, yeah. and paid for their college tuition. These are generally not wealthy people. It also causes other problems. I mean, look, um, widespread availability of, of student financial aid facilitated by the government is already a, a significant handout for colleges and for college graduates. And if we add to that by saying, okay, once those loans are taken out, the government's eventually going to pay them, it sets an expectation. That expectation leads ultimately to colleges and universities raising tuition. Mm-hmm. It, this will get even more expensive. Tuition will become even more costly as government just says, we're going to pay for the whole thing. Kind of like health care, I guess, huh? Yeah, absolutely. A lot like health care. This is what happens when government takes control of a particular industry and and serves as the financier of it uh, and the ultimately the responsible party of it. Uh, everything the government touches in that way becomes more expensive. 
Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, some people have compared this uh, akin to buying votes with the elections coming up. Uh, do you see it that way at all, Mike? Well, yeah, in many respects, yes. Uh, they're reaching out to the far left, uh, radical left, and uh, trying to reward uh, those in that camp for their steadfast support of a failing president, a president who uh, on every uh, conceivable metric is failing. And so, yeah, yeah, of course, they're looking for a soft landing, and that's what they're trying to bring themselves here. But at a time when Biden's economy is already failing because Biden's government has already spent too much money that it doesn't have, just printing trillions of dollars at a time. If you add this to the mix, inflation is going to go up even more. Utah families are already paying $702 a month every month for the same things that they were buying at the beginning of last year, but paying $702 a month more for them. Wow. Add this to the mix, that's going to go up even higher. Want to change topics real quick, Mike, if we can. Uh, Orrin Hatch passed away this past week. I love the tweet that you sent out uh, touching on Orrin's uh, pioneer heritage. I'm going to just read a, a line from it. I bid my friend Senator Hatch onward ever, onward wait. May we as a nation forever remember his legacy is my prayer. Uh, Orrin Hatch spent his whole life in service of our country. He did indeed. You know, and he, every day when he walked into his Senate office, he looked up at this uh, this painting that was prominently displayed in his office, uh, showing his his Utah pioneer grandfather and great grandfather. He always remembered his roots. He was, um, you know, he's raised the son of a mechanical laborer, and he grew up in a family of little means, one of nine kids, and um, worked his way through college and through law school. It was a great success story. He served longer as a U.S. senator than any other in uh, history of, of the state of Utah or in the Republican Party nationally. I feel like, uh, you know, that line there, may we remember his legacy, uh, is pretty profound, Mike, because uh, you talk about his past, you talk about his remembering his history, remembering who he is and where he came from. I don't think Orrin ever lost sight of that, did he? No, he never did, even as he was setting records, passing 750 bills uh, into law. Uh, even as he was mentoring generations of young lawyers, Hill staffers, and other professionals. You know, you, you meet people uh, who have worked for Senator Hatch, and they would do anything for him. They would walk over a mile broken glass for him. They had such respect for him. Yeah. And he trained up in a, uh, several generations of, of really top-level professionals. It speaks well to him and the way he lived his life and ran his office. So often our heroes are basketball players or football players or even rock stars, but um, Senator Orrin has certainly a hero, someone we can aspire to be like. I know, Mike, I think that's probably one of your goals is to be like Orrin Hatch. Yeah, exactly. Look, he, he was an inspiration to me growing up when I was in high school. I had uh, just a few pictures on the wall. I had a, a poster of Carl Malone in his Utah Jazz <laughs> jersey, yeah. and I had a picture on the wall of me with Orrin Hatch. He was someone I looked up to and have nearly my entire life. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the senator part of it was just part of the story. He was also a, a great father, community leader, church leader. He was a famous songwriter in his own right. Uh, uh, really an inspiration. They don't make many people like Orrin Hatch. And uh, his, his passing was a real loss to our state and our country. 
He's Mike Lee, Senator, representing the state of Utah on a national uh, on national stage. Mike, you, you uh, really uh, sum things up well on Orrin Hatch, and we really appreciate you fighting for us here back in, uh, back in Utah. Thanks so much, Andy. Good to talk to you. That was Mike Lee. Uh, I recorded that yesterday, about about 24 hours ago uh, right now, maybe 24 and a half hours ago. But uh, it's open line uh, Friday here on the Andy Griffin Show. That means you can text me anything you want to talk about at 435-467-5842, or you can call in at 673-5890. Still waiting to hear from Chris Stewart. That'll be coming up All right now. Let's go to the phone lines. And Seth, hey, Seth, how are you this Friday? I have pictures on my wall, too. Orrin Hatch, um, Harry Reid, and uh, the governor, and Mitt Romney. <laughs> but there's little holes in them where, <laughs> where somebody's been throwing darts at them. And I, Dartboard, I, huh? I can't explain exactly how that happened, but uh, I have pictures on my wall, too. I, I honestly, I, when, when, when I was a, maybe, I don't know, 15, we moved into a house and I got, I got put in the unfinished basement. So it was a lot of uh, walls without sheetrock, you know, and, 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 uh, studs and, and wood. And, uh, I had a dartboard and uh, for a time I put up, uh, the, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler logo up there and I would use that as my favorite target. Cause I was a, I grew up in Texas as a Cowboys fan and the Steelers were the hated enemy. So yeah, I know what you mean. I didn't have any, I didn't throw darts at any political people though. Uh, well, yes, you know, it takes us a while to figure that out. But before I lose my uh, time span, I wanted to talk about uh, the death of the petrodollar and a fellow by the name of Klaus Schwab, who's in charge of the World Economic Forum, the Bank of the Bankers. And he uh, appears at different forums and the like, and he especially likes the U.N., and during his visit to the U.N., he uh, made the comment that he was planning on the future being that nobody would own anything and you would be happy. Mm, it's like communism to me. Mm. And it's coming out of the U.N. and a, an ambassador that I've mentioned many times. I hope people will go visit his page. And the ambassador is... a. Ambassador Dr. William Mount, he's uh, an ambassador to the Ukraine. Ah, okay. And so he has some inside information, and uh, he receives the broadcast that the United Nations uh, puts out, including what Klaus Schwab has to say, and that at this point there are two trading systems a um, that transact international funding across the, the world. Uh, one is called um, uh, SWIFT, S-W-I-F-T. The other is SIPS. SIPS. Well, it turns out that the SIPS people who do it at a lo much lower margin um, are taking over the world in that the vast population of those people and they, the two systems don't talk to other but the Queen and the Rothschild folks, they all produce uh, this one that uh, Klaus is in charge of. And so in the future, the vast majority of Russia, the ruble and all, when we send our experts over to help Russia stabilize its economy, uh, our brilliant people in the Federal Reserve told them to go to a gold standard. 
something they would never do, and that today they took their advice and internally in the entire country, a huge country of Russia, that they're trading in U.S. or in solid gold backs, that every piece of currency can be melted down into a ball of gold. All right, Seth. Cool. So the... So the advice that we were that we gave them, we refuse, along with the colonies of England, to do ourselves, and we're probably going to be the last country, or last group of countries, to adopt a constitutional form of money. Hmm. All right, all right. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate you calling today. Last group of people. Hmm. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, Let's do this. 921 on KDXU. It's open line Friday. Love to take your calls. If you want to call and be a part of things, it's 673-5890. If you would rather text, you can text me at 435-467-5842. I got a bunch of texts on there. Okay. Well, we'll get to, (laughs) we'll get to, I got four texts. I can't get to them all at once. Let's go to the phone line first. Hey, thanks for calling in on open line Friday. You have three minutes. What's up? Good morning, Andy. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. What do Joe Ellison, Nina Barnes, and Christy Pike have in common? Mm, what do they have in common? Well, they will all show up on the ballot, on the primary ballot here in Washington County. Correct. Even though, even though the delegates at the convention voted them down. They got the signatures, right? Well, exactly right. So why did they bother to come to the convention? If they were going to wind up on the ballot anyway, why go through the process of having the delegates vet them, uh, understand who they are? Because obviously the delegates are a group of well-informed voters. And they went through the process. They spent a month talking to these uh, candidates, finding out their views, and they determined that they were unsuitable to represent the Republican Party in Washington County. And yet these uh, three candidates uh, decided that they were going to wind up on the ballot anyway. So I I just I'm curious what you think about that. And and why in the world did they participate in the caucus system if they had no intention on living by the decision of the delegates? I I think the general feeling is, and correct me if you if you think I'm wrong, but the the general feeling is, well, they're not going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter. I think that's what the general populace is thinking about this this particular issue. What do you think? So, in other words, they're going to waste all of our time, time and money. Yeah, they're going to distract us from the people who have actually been vetted and determined to be um, folks that we want to uh, have representatives. You know, and, and this is not without consequence. Um, you look at uh, Neil Walter. He won 73% of the vote. He would have been the only one on the ballot. And yet Christy Pike, with 11.45% of the vote, decided that she's smarter than the rest of us. And she's going to force her way on the ballot anyway. And Nina Barnes and Joe Ellison fit into that exact same category. Yeah. And so all I w- I'm looking for integrity. I'm looking for the character of these people why did they go through the process of going through the convention? By the way, that gives them great notoriety. It gives them a, a public forum to uh, get their name out there and their views. And yet they were all handily rejected by the delegates 
who, by the way, were elected from their communities to come forward, spend the time, vet these people, and then in their own arrogance, they've decided to place their name on the ballot anyway. I think it's it's very disrespectful to our caucus system, and I think that these people, if they had any honor at all, they would withdraw their names from the primary so that the people who were actually selected to go forward in the election could uh, represent the, the county in which they were chosen to do so. Do you believe, and I wondered about this, they already knew that the delegates before the vote that these people had the signatures they needed to move on. Do you think maybe some of them said, well, I don't need to vote for them now because they already have the signatures? Do you think that affected no, the way people voted? No, I don't believe that at all. I think what the delegates did is what they were asked to do. They went out and they vetted these people, and the three that uh, we're talking about didn't measure up. They it, it, Look, if, if they were actually the, the people who were, were chosen, they had the right... Uh, beliefs and they had the right values and principles, the delegates would have voted for them. Mm. And in fact, the delegate, I mean, the caucus system is is very simple. If you get 60% of the vote, you're the one. You're going to go forward. If the vote is is split, well, then those two people show up. But in each one of these cases, uh, these people did not accept the decision of the delegates and it's, it's very disrespectful. Do you know how much time is put into uh, making phone calls and emails, uh, vetting these people, going to meet and greets, and understanding who these people are, and then determining, you know what, you're not the right person for the job. And yet, in their arrogance, oh, yeah, well, you guys aren't smart enough to, to recognize how great I am. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to place myself on the ballot anyway. It's very disrespectful, Andy, and I don't think we talk enough about it. I don't think these people's names have put out, been put out. Uh, when I've heard you talk about it, uh, you've been very reluctant to name these people. You know, we, we owe each other the truth, and the truth is that Allison Barnes and Pike have decided they don't care about our, our form of government, our caucus system. They're going to force their names on the ballot anyway. And I wish they would show some integrity and resign, have their name removed from the ballot so that our form of government can be actually uh, followed and implemented. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. One other factor, too, in all that, uh, I don't know who or how much, but I understand some of them, at least one of them, paid to have the signatures uh, gathered. They didn't even gather the signatures themselves. Uh, they used a service, a signature gra- gathering service. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I am in agreement with you. I've had Jimmy Kesson on a few times uh, earlier in the mornings uh, talking about this and the fact that uh, I, think, I think he's right. I think Steve is right. I think that uh, we definitely uh, should call on them to say, you know what, you didn't win, and uh, your insurance policy... Uh, if you want to call it that, uh, is is not valid in the electoral process. Let's go back to the phone line. Hey, thanks for calling in. What's up? Hey, I was just listening to the last caller, and it. I, I've been a delegate many times, uh-huh. and when I go to the delegate meetings for those delegates are selected, uh, the problem with the system is that we don't have great public uh, participation in the selection of the delegates. And so oftentimes it seems that the people who get selected 
may ex, uh, represent an extreme view of and, and may not represent the community as a whole in terms of what that uh, of what their position and beliefs are. And so the ability to have an alternative track where people are able to go out and select signatures from the general population just provides a, in my view, at least a double check that allows these people to have another alternative method to get on the ballot for for voting. It still ultimately ends up uh, being a situation where the people select who they want to represent them. I think the delegate system would work much better if we had better public support and participation. Unfortunately, that just doesn't seem to be the case. So the delegates, you're saying, are oftentimes uh, maybe not necessarily the people that should be there as delegates. Well, they're selected by a very small group of people, mm-hmm. and in my experience, that group is, is uh, tends to have, you know, they're, they're more invested in the process sure because they show up to the meeting but generally speaking it uh, in, in my experience it, it tends to represent a sometimes a fringe element that may not represent the entirety of the uh, district in which uh, those delegates are being selected awesome yeah a little bit different take than the previous caller thank you for calling in and weighing in on this i appreciate it you bet how do you feel about this out there um you know, I can see both sides. I really can. Uh, I I still feel like, though, you know, I, I mean, he makes a great point. Maybe the delegates aren't necessarily the people that represent us, uh, and and then that that falls to us. That's our fault, right? For not being involved, for not getting the delegates who actually represent how we feel. Uh, it would be interesting to talk to some of these people that use the signature gathering instead of the delegatory process. Uh, to get on the ballot. How do they feel about the fact that they got, say, 11% of the vote instead of, you know, getting whatever necessary, 40% or whatever necessary to get yourself to the primary? Uh, And uh, I'll see if I can work on that and get get that uh, on the air for you. It's 931 on KDXU. It is Open Line Friday. I would love to hear from you at 673-5890. Uh, and uh, you can text me at 435-467-5842. I wanted to read you one text before I go to whether uh, someone's complaining that uh, it's not Open Line Friday uh, because uh, uh, I'm filling the airwaves with stuff that isn't Open Line Friday. It cracks me up, this whole text, because uh, this is radio. I have to fill the airwaves with something, and if you sir, don't call, or someone like you doesn't call, doesn't have something they want to talk about, well, I can't just stop and leave the air dead. Yeah, see, that that doesn't sound very good. Uh, So, again, Open Line Friday is dependent on callers calling in at 673-5890. And, again, uh, obviously, we'll take your text. If you don't feel comfortable talking on the air, we'd love to hear from you uh, text-wise as well at 435-467-584. Good morning, everybody. Andy Griffin here along with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop. And, uh, you know, Troy, one of the things you guys offer, which I think is fantastic at the Barbecue Pit Stop, is classes to help people become better at barbecuing. I love it. Well, thanks, Andy. I know that you've been to a few of them, too. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's hopefully it's something for everybody. What we have a lot of is when customers come in and maybe they'll buy a smoker uh, for the first time, they're a little bit intimidated. Yeah. 
because they're not sure what it, what to do with it. You think, oh, smokers for you know people that want to spend a lot of time in their backyard, and then we tell them the story about how it's so much easier than what people think it is, but that's still like, okay, but I haven't done it. I right. haven't seen it. I haven't right. felt it. I haven't tasted it or whatever it is, and, and so it's still intimidating. So what we try to do is make it easier for people by doing a demonstration. And so we have classes about once a month. Then we'll bring in a, a local professional. Or we'll bring some, sometimes from out of town a national name. Yeah. Uh, but basically what we try to do is make it really simple and have an open class forum where people can ask questions. But we just demonstrate it right there on the spot. It's cool. we got a television with the cameras right above it so you can see exactly what's happening um and and then you get to eat the food too so i was gonna say you, you haven't <laughs> told them the best part once right. you show them what to do you let them try it because you have the finished product there that's amazing yeah just worth the price of admission just for the food alone because you get to eat that and it's you know usually leave pretty full and and happy that way I think anytime you get into a new thing a new hobby or whatever it is it is a little intimidating because Everybody you know has already been doing it a long time, and they're professionals at it. So this is a tremendous service. I know you start off with some of the basics, like a pulled pork, a, you know, pork butt, and stuff like that. It'll help get people's feet wet and their appetite wetted. I like that, yeah. So it really is. And whatever the topic is, whether you're just looking for an intro class, we have those. Um, oftentimes brisket is one of the big, you know, mountains mm-hmm. that barbecue people want to, you know, mount there. And so they're, <laughs> they're concerned and like, how do I attack this thing? And so we'll show a brisket class. We'll show... Uh, you know, like I say, the pork or whatever it is, Turkey ribs, Thanksgiving, absolutely. Yeah. But just come into our store anytime. We've got our list of classes in there uh, or eventbrite.com and see what's up next. Sounds great. Thanks, Troy. You bet. Thank you, Andy. It's a Friday. Looking forward to some weekend rest for sure. I get up at a crazy early hour. I'm not complaining. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it does wear on you after a while when you get up at around 4.30 every morning. And especially about 4.30 in the evening or afternoon. It's like, oh, can't keep my eyes open. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in today. Sunshiny morning. Sun's starting to burn off some of that haze here in uh, Washington County and St. George area. And uh, I uh, will... It's funny, we had the corporate big shots in. We, we were purchased, uh, gosh, week and a half, two weeks ago. Cherry Creek was purchased by Town Square Media. Uh, and, and what does that mean as far as local KDXU? Probably not much at all. Uh, I might do a little more posting online, have a little more online uh, profile, uh, high profile. But as far as what comes out of the box, as they say, comes out of your radio, not much is going to change at all. Uh, they, I don't think they're going to fire me. Uh, I'm not planning on being fired. Uh, so uh, I, to me, the, uh, the, the Town Square Media thing, it, the, the one thing they've done is they promised upgrades in just about everything we do from equipment to phone lines to uh, vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I feel like we're going to um, be, be in pretty good shape. Uh, as as far as uh, our new ownership, uh, they do oftentimes come in and uh, clear out management. 
and so I think our, our Cherry Creek CEO and some of the uh, muckety mucks in corporate are probably uh, not going to be working for Cherry Creek anymore. Well, actually, Cherry Creek is going to cease to exist. We, they, uh, we will be absorbed by Town Square Media, so you'll see uh, some minor changes in the logos we use on our vehicles and in our studios and things like that on our websites. But for the most part, honestly, things here uh, that uh, that come out of the radio on KDXU or B or Star 98 or New Country going to be just about the same. So uh, you can uh, you can rest assured I will fight my hardest to keep things the same uh, for you. Uh, it's Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. 673-5890 is the phone number. And uh, uh, today's uh, one of the topics for today, I had a couple of them, but the one of them is this student loan forgiveness. Uh, I talked with uh, Mike Lee earlier on the program about it. Uh, and he just kind of lightly touched on some of the, the, the things that that make that an absolutely horrific idea. Uh, and let's start, first of all, with the motivation for student loan forgiveness. Uh, if you say, oh, $9,000 in, uh, you know, paid for your last couple of years or whatever, last couple of semesters at college, uh, and... The politician uh, that leads your country or leads your district or whatever says, you know, we ought to we ought to just wave a magic wand and have that money go away. You don't have to pay it back. Well, are you going to vote for that person again? And I would say, well, you know, it's complicated. There's so many issues. Well, you could say that, but the honest truth is, they just saved you ten grand. Are you going to vote for that person again, knowing they may may save you ten grand down the road, or more? Probably. And so what they're doing is akin to purchasing voters. They're, they're bribing. It's a bribe. It's, it's a bri- Hey, I, you don't have to pay this. And we'll pay it for you. And uh, you can go on your merry way. Now, I know people who, and, and the, thing, the truth of the matter is, when I said you owe, say you owe $9,000, not many students owe that little amount of money. Usually it's a big bunch, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000. Maybe you were a doctor. You had to go to uh, undergrad, graduate school, medical school, internship, etc. I mean, you, you know, you end up with 12 years of school and you had to borrow loans to get through uh, more than half of that, maybe more. Uh, that's the one positive about it all. The, the far left wants to make it 50,000. The moderate left, if there is such a thing left, saying, well, now 10000 is enough. And, of course, uh, those of us who are more conservative are saying, well, no no amount. There, sh- there should not be any bribery. There should not be any, quote, unquote, forgiving of student loans. Uh, one of the articles, uh, by the way, I want to point you to, if you get an opportunity, go to the dailywire.com. It's just Daily Wire, not the. It's co- so go to dailywire.com. There's an article written uh, by uh, uh, Walsh, Matt Walsh, and it's a good one. And uh, Matt Walsh is basically saying uh, there are things, some things to keep in mind as Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and, and those uh, want to forgive, and, and that's in quotations, forgive student loans. Uh, first of all, what's our biggest problem in America right now, besides Joe Biden? It's inflation. The price of gas, the price of food. I went to the store yesterday. Uh, I had to pick up a cup of gallons of milk. 
three nineteen for the cheap stuff. I like chocolate milk. I think it's good for you. I'm, I never grew up. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I like chocolate milk. I was going to go buy a gallon of chocolate milk figuring, you know, last time I bought chocolate milk a month or so ago, it was three twenty nine. How much more could it have gone up? Chocolate milk at my favorite store was $4.29 a gallon. That's still less than gas, I guess, but uh, I didn't buy any. I was like, I'm not paying for something for chocolate milk. I'll, I'll have white milk. I'll have regular milk. I'm not going to pay that amount of money. So the biggest problem in America right now is inflation. What do you think forgiving student loans is going to do to inflation? Here's a quote. The inflation of college costs is a genuine concern and one that is of especially interest, uh, intense interest to the federal government, which, thanks to the Obama administration, made itself into a monopolist in the student loan business. Uh, Senator Warren proposes to put out a fire with gasoline to mitigate the effects of inflation by dumping money on the problem. Think about this a little bit. All right. So. You know, I got through college, took out some grants, uh, took out some loans, made it through. My wife and I both got our college degrees. Pretty proud of that. Worked hard, had a kid at the time, made it through. Uh, and then, you know, over the years, paid back that student loan. Uh, at the time, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this, I think it was $800 a semester, something like that. It was not, it was not real expensive to go to college. A, a, relatively adjusted for inflation, all that. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't cheap. But I felt like, and my wife felt like, it was worth it. Do whatever we can to get the degree, even if we have to borrow some money. And in the end, it'll be good for us in the long run. We will, we will benefit from it. But that, that's when it was doable. Imagine now... And, and college is not cheap now. Imagine now you decide that little Johnny needs to go to college, and you're going to do whatever it takes. You don't make a ton of money. You're like, okay, well, we're going to get some grants. That'll help a little bit. And then we're going to borrow some money from the government uh, to, or from the banks to, through, you know, via uh, government uh, student loans, and we're going to get uh, Johnny to school. Do you know how much money college costs now? Now, granted, I went, it's been 35 years since I went to college, but the prices now are through the roof. What's going to happen at the pretty expensive college tuition now uh, when the government starts forgiving loans? 50000 or 10000 whatever they end up deciding to, to do, and, and they're pushing it hard to try to buy voters, but... Uh, those loan prices are going to go up. I mean, those, excuse me, those tuition prices are going to go up, up, up. Because the colleges are going to say, hey, government's paying it anyway. Might as well charge whatever we can, i.e. the health industry. Insurance companies are paying it anyway. We'll just, we'll just charge what we can. So, yeah, instead of 2000 per student, uh, two, uh, what is it, 21 years ago, it's uh, a lot more than that. It's at a cheap college like Dixie State or Utah Tech or whatever they're going to call it, uh, 4000 a semester at least. Um, all right. Uh, now let's talk about another reason why. Uh, so inflation, number one. Reason number two. How about the unfairness of forgiving uh, a loan? 
like a college loan. There are a significant number of you out there who did did not take out loans to go to college. You went to a trade school. Maybe you didn't go to school at all. Maybe you just found a job, worked hard, worked your way up, and are doing okay now. Uh, do, do you feel bad that you didn't take out a loan? Of course you don't. Do you feel bad that you didn't have to pay, pay it back? Of course you don't. Do you feel bad that uh, your life is okay now and you didn't go to college? No, of course not. I have a friend who never went to a lick of college. He stayed with McDonnell Douglas for, he's been with them for 37 years or something. And he makes a lot more money than I do. And he loves his job and uh, life is good. LG, right? Uh, he didn't have to pay back a student loan. Uh, so... When the government's given out ten grand or fifty grand to all these young people who took out loans and saying, here, you know, you can actually have the money, but we won't charge you for the for the money, the, the loan you took out. How is that fair to somebody who didn't go to school, who didn't take out a loan? How is it fair to someone who worked their tail off? I worked three jobs my last semester, I actually had four jobs because one of them was a was a freelance thing. I worked four jobs the last year I was in school because I had a wife and kid. I was, you know, I needed to make some money. We had to pay rent. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm not saying this because look at me, I'm great. I'm saying this because I did everything in my human power as a man to support my family and to make it so I didn't have to borrow a whole bunch of money. And we actually ended up borrowing less than $10,000. And now the government's going to come along and say, hey, all you guys that, that scrimped and saved and did everything you could to get loans the heck with you. Cause we were going to we were going to forgive that loan anyway. Unbelievable, unbelievably unfair to the working class. You know, many blue collar people, and this is again from Matt Walsh's article are living on lower wages because they couldn't afford to go to college. They chose the responsible route, stayed within their means, avoided buying something they couldn't pay for and accepted a humbler lifestyle as a result. And now Nancy and Elizabeth Warren and all these people, Joe Biden, are going to tell us, yeah, you could have gone to college anyway, silly. We were just going to forgive the loan. Mm. And how about the millions of people who struggled for years to pay off their loans like I did? I didn't get paid very much. I, I remember my first job out of college. I got hired as a professional journalist. You know how much I made? $4.50 an hour as a professional journalist who worked about 60 hours a week. Oh, and it wasn't, I didn't get time and a half. It was like a salary type job. So many people struggled their whole lives to cover this loan debt, to try to get it paid back. And now Elizabeth Warren and those folks are going to say, well, you know, I appreciate your struggle, but screw you. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, a couple of other things i got to get a break in. Uh, uh, putting aside the disastrous financial impact of loan forgiveness and even putting aside how it screws the working class and those who paid their loans back, like me, we're still left with the very simple fact that it seems to negate any argument for a proposal of this sort. Nobody forced anyone to take out these loans. Think about that. Nobody said, you have to go to college and you have to borrow money. Nobody told, nobody told me that. I wanted to do it. It was my choice. And, and so uh, there are people right now who take out loans to buy a trailer, uh, a camper trailer. There are people out there who take out a loan to buy a boat. Uh, 
or jet skis or wave runners or whatever you want to call them, uh, or a UHV ATV type vehicle. Heck, there are people that take out loans so they can buy a Tesla or, you know, whatever, a sports car. So maybe we got to call Elizabeth Warren or whoever, Nancy Pelosi, and say, hey, while you're forgiving those loans for school that they decided they wanted to do, can you go ahead and forgive my loan? Because I really like my wave runner, and I think you should pay it off. And uh, I give my kids rides on it, so it's, it's a charitable thing. Do you, see, do you see the logic behind that? It's absolutely stupid. It's absolute, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, is about well, two other things, two two other quick things, and then I really got to get this commercial break in. Uh, number one, there there is no they, the government can't wave a magic magic wand and pay these things off, right? They the banks still, I, I, you know, the, these are loans. This is money. This is real money. Where's the money going to come from? to pay for all these um, these loan forgiveness deals. Oh, wait, it's going to come from those of us like me who already paid my student loan off. Now I get to pay more taxes so I can pay little Johnny's student loan too because they're going to forgive it. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Makes me angry, actually. Uh, one other thing, uh, uh, and this is pointed out by Matt Wallace. I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good point. Uh, we need to get out of the mindset that everybody needs to go to college. I have three sons. Two of them, one has a postgraduate degree, one has an undergraduate degree, one has a, went to technical school. Uh, the one that went to technical school makes more money than both of the other two. Uh, likes his job, has a family, supports a family, has a house, and you know he, he's not dumb. He, he he didn't not go to college because he's a dummy. He went to college. He didn't go to college because he he didn't see anything in college that was right for him. He saw something in a, in a trade school that he's like, oh, yeah, that, that will work for me. That's what I want to do. And I'm not faulting my sons who got their degrees. I think that, you know, chase after your dream. I did. That's what I, I went to school for journalism and, and radio and broadcasting and newspaper. And, and I chased after my dream, and I've been able to turn it into a, a fun career. Uh, but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we can't say every kid should go to college. That was the mindset of the generation that I grew up in. Every kid should go to college. It's not true. Every kid shouldn't go to college. Only the ones that see college as a, a means to an end should go to college. Let's get that out of our brains. Welcome back. Open line Friday, five minutes to 10 o'clock. Let's go right to the phone lines. Hey, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Morning, Andy. Morning. Happy Friday. Thank you. Weekend's coming. Let's talk about this loan forgiveness crap. When yeah. is people ever going to take responsibility? I think that's a loss in this country anymore. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their actions. You know, you go borrow the money, the agreement is you pay it back. You yeah. Know? And, and, it, and nobody forced you into it. Nobody said, you have to go to college, you have to borrow this money. Nobody did that. It was a choice. Yeah, and also... What do you want to take when you go to college? You know, do you want to be an artist? Do you want to be this? Do you want to be that? You know, you're going to pay hundred thousand dollars to learn a trade that doesn't 
pay any money to you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not that artists don't make money, but very few do, or just like all the other stuff out there, you know. You got to look ahead and see what this career is going to actually pay you, you know. You're going to go be school and become a teacher. Yeah, there's not big money in teaching, you know, so it's going to take you forever to pay it back. So, But it's steady money, and you get summers off, so. <laughs> that's a big plus. That's true, and you got good benefits. Yeah. But, you know, it's still everything, responsibility, you know, and these this generation doesn't want to take responsibility for their actions, it seems like. Yeah, unless, yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. Hey, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate that. The, that's a frustrating thing about it is you, you just kind of feel like that uh, the responsibility of an action that you performed. I want to go to college. Okay, good. We'll help you go to college. Here are some grants. Uh, we need to, you know, maybe your parents can help pay whatever. Uh, well, I don't have enough. Well, you need to take out a loan. Okay, I'll take out a loan for a couple of thousand dollars. Well, that's only going to cover you for a couple of months, uh, especially if you're going to school. You're not going to have time to work as much. Uh, why don't you take out a loan for $40,000 instead of a couple of thousand? Okay, uh, but I'm going to have to pay this back, right? Well, yeah, you will have to pay it back. Hmm. And then you weigh the options, and you take responsibility for deciding to accept a loan. That's, to me, it seems pretty simple. It's, it's, it's the way life is. You take responsibility for your actions. When you drive down the street and you decide to look at your phone and you rear in somebody, are, are you off the hook? Eh, we'll just forgive that debt of you crushing the other guy's car or you injuring someone else or you killing someone else. That's not the way it works. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Hey, real quick, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just uh, let's uh, let's uh, apply a government solution to a government problem. Yeah. I, pr- I propose that we go back to uh, 1965, and the the government pays for every person who ever paid to for an education, whether you went to trade school, whether you went to college. Let's just pay back in in uh, retroactively. We'll just give everybody back their money that they apply towards an education. That way, everything will be uh, fair. And then Joe can just print up some magic money, right, for all of us. And, and uh, yeah, I'd like to get my money I borrowed back. That'd be cool. <laughs> well, that's the problem is this isn't real money. They've nope. just printed it, and they just flood the market. And that's what's causing the inflation. It's not COVID. It's not Putin. It's the fact that the government has printed trillions and trillions of dollars, but there weren't uh, the the – uh, cars and, and boats and washing machines and refrigerators uh, produced at the same time. Yep. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Open line Friday. Thanks for those of you that called in and those of you that uh, sent your wishes along the line. Otherwise, either listening or uh, sending me texts. We're out of time. Uh, time to check in with news. I'll be back Monday. Got a cool author coming on the show on Monday.